Hey, kid. to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Slip Podcast. This is episode number 377. It's not too late. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Han Solo to my Luke Skywalker, we've got Carl DeClaire. Hey, Jason. Hi, Carl. Uh, I'm ready to make a podcast. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Make a podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. So, it's Easter week. It is. Um, for those of us who celebrated, of course. Um, so, we kind of wanted to do something Easter-themed with the idea of uh, forgiveness and redemption and all that, because obviously these are huge themes in Star Wars. But we're going to look specifically at the redemption of Anakin Skywalker and Ben Solo. Uh, in in this particular episode, which I'm super excited to do because so much of their redemption story and arc have a lot of similarities between it, which is, again, pretty pretty neat because it's a generational story. 
Indeed. I, I'm looking forward to this. It's just, uh, it's something that we uh, you know, we speculated about and talked about and theorized about for a long time, and now we finally have the fulfill the fullness of the uh, the story on film um, of what we're gonna get with this. So it's like, all right, now we can we can actually sit down and take a look at these, contrast and compare and just talk about the the coolness about the the two redemptions so yeah absolutely um at the end of the episode though we've got quite the treat for you uh jason made a a mini radio drama yeah yeah i i I call it an audio short story um i i don't want to spoil the surprise because uh once we're done with the topic i'll I'll go into a little bit more detail of what, what it's about and and everything but it does involve a certain, uh, you know, um, Sith that I voice. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's one of my favorites. Um, if you remember from our top ten characters list not too long ago, he was number two. Um, so Palpatine, yeah, yep, yeah, he's he makes an appearance, and I voice him. So, um, but yeah, uh, stay tuned for that. And after we're done with the topic and everything i'll i'll introduce it and kind of tell you what it's all about and why i did it so go for papa palpatine (laughs) what the hell's an aluminum falcon oh jeez he's crying (laughs) you've been flying around for two weeks but you must smell like leathery burnt bacon (laughs) (laughs) oh jason just does robot chicken at the end it's great yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this this little audio short story or whatever you're calling it is awesome. I like you sent it to me late one night, and I woke up in the middle of the night because I had to go to the bathroom, and I listened to it twice. I'm like, this is so good. How am I supposed to go back to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I I was working on it late in the night. I was like, I got it done. I got it done. Yes. And so I just sent it out to everybody and I was like, this is amazing. And I thought, I didn't think you'd see it until the next morning, but now then I, I kept you up. I'm sorry, Carl. No, it's fine. It's my little bladder always keeps me up. So at least I had something to entertain me this time. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so, uh, yeah. So like Jason said, stick around the end of the episode. Uh, we will get this audio short, which is fantastic. Um, but before we hop into our, our topic of redemption and, and, all of that. Um, we had a poll where we asked all of you last week in light of our episode about uh, our favorite comforting moments in Star Wars. We asked all of you what you found to be the most comforting moment in Star Wars. So, Jason, what did the Larians have to say? Oh, well, you know, every Larian is unique and so are almost all of these responses. Um, so <laughs> bear with me, folks. Um, in third place, with one vote each, uh, we've got C-3PO's bedtime story. Uh, we've got Stardust. I know because it's me. Uh, where where Jin figures out what the plans are. Um, your father would be proud. Chewy hugs. I promise that's not my vote. Somebody else put that in there. Uh, Chewy hugs. Uh, Chewy, we're home. Ray eating outside the ATAT. Uh, Yoda lifts the X wing. The twin sunset. The Ewok celebration at the end of Return of the Jedi. Rey and Kylo touching hands. The celebration on Naboo at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. The child in the Mandalorian's lap sitting in the cockpit when he hands the child the little knob. Um, 
Leia standing uh, in the, the doorway of the rebel base on Crate. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Tell your sister you were right. And then the celebration at the end of Revenge of the or uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Sorry. There's no celebration at the end of Revenge of the Sith, ladies and gentlemen. Just I I, I know that. I just misspoke. Um so those are all one vote each. Um in second place with two votes, uh the end of Empire Strikes Back, where Luke, Leia, and the droids uh watch the Millennium Falcon fly away towards Tatooine. Um, Luke force projecting at the end of uh, The Last Jedi, uh, particularly uh, to Leia. Yoda's dissertation on the force. Uh, and then in first place with three votes, you can see you know how, <laughs> how this all happened. In first place with three votes, uh, we've got Rey at the Lars homestead taking on the Skywalker name. At the end of the rise of Skywalker, so there you have it. Nice. Our Larians have have spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> they have spoken. They have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! I love it. I love it, and I love how many folks also I noticed sent in more than just one. So thank you to those of you who listed your top five because that's always fun too. Um, uh, so who sent in top fives? Um, I, I usually just pick. I pretty much just pick the the first one just for our list, just to make it easier on myself. Um, <laughs> so because there were quite a few oh, responses. Right. Yeah, so. no, I, I I get that, and I love that people understand that, but still wanted to put them. So that's great. Yes, we we appreciate it. We love all of that. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Jim Caprin had like three out of his top five were from Rogue One. So. Um, yeah, that's surprising. Not surprising in the least. Um, <laughs> that's like saying a Mandalorian likes to keep his helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, uh, love so uh, we now we're back to normal, regularly scheduled matchups as well on on the every other week schedule with the polls. So we'll have a matchup for you also at the end of the episode uh, before we get to Jason's radio short audio short. What damn it! I don't whatever you want to call it. <laughs> audio short story. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, I, don't, I don't know. You can call it whatever you want. I don't. It's as long as you know it's there and, and listen to it. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> So but enough about that. We've got a topic to talk about, Carl. We do. Um, let's let's start with Vader. Okay. Vader, kind of the you know central character of the original six movies, um, mm-hmm. and uh, his redemption arc really begins all the way back in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and in, right, it's, it's Padme saying to Obi-Wan, you know, her, her kind of dying words are that they're still good in him. So even in light of her own death, she's, she dies believing that Anakin is still good, that there is like, there's still that goodness in him, right? That he, and if there is that goodness in him, he obviously is redeemable. He is someone who can come back to the light. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, (laughs) I know I, I, it's doubtful Anakin ever knew that she thought that until he joined Obi-Wan of the Force. Um, but it's it's comforting for, for us who know that to, to know, yeah, he, he, she 
She didn't hate him at the end. She still believed that he was good and still could be saved and redeemed. Um, but Obi-Wan doesn't really believe it. No, no, he definitely does not. <laughs> um, and, and that's She's, okay because it's, it's and twisted and evil. Right. It's not on him to bring him back though. Right. No, the, that's the, the one who's going to bring him back is his own flesh and blood. Right. Which is Luke. And what's so great is, you know, when we fast forward to the, to the last chapter of the second trilogy, we have Luke saying there's still good in him. Right. He yeah. says it to Obi-Wan and he says it to Leia. Um, he firmly believes that. Um, and we never now I know that the comics are flushing this part of the story out no, more right now. Um, but again, as someone who doesn't read the comics, I, I like to build my conjectures off of what's on screen, not what's on comic pages. Um, and you know, I, I rely on my friend Ben to tell me what's going on in the comics because he, he helps out with that. Um, but you know, even, you know, you could ask yourself, well, why would Luke believe this? Why would Luke believe there's good in him? The last time they were hanging out, you know, he was trying to turn him to the dark side. Um, but Luke obviously sent some sort of spark in Vader there on cloud city. And it's something he kind of reveals later on in return of the Jedi. When he says, you that's why you couldn't destroy me. Um, right. For whatever reason, Luke believed that this was his father and that this father still had some goodness in him. If, if Vader was just the monster and enemy he thought he was, he would have cut him down on cloud city, but he doesn't. Um, and for whatever reason, that's enough for Luke to cling on to, uh, to know that there is still that goodness in him that, you know, even Padme knew was there. Yeah. And, and it is interesting. And of course you could, um, make the argument that, that, Vader didn't kill Luke because he wanted to, you know, turn him and, and for his own selfish reasons. You could make that uh, that argument. However, from Luke's perspective, he is, you know, one of the most threatening figures to the Empire in the Rebellion at this point. Uh, he is now also learning to become a Jedi, which makes him even more dangerous. And Vader could have easily just wiped him out. Right there in the carbon, the carbon freezing chamber, he could have killed him there. Um, but he toyed with him. He didn't, and he let it continue on until it just went on too long. And then he was like, "All right, off with your hand." Um, but <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it is it is an interesting point that you know uh, Luke is obviously severely outclassed by Vader in Empire. Um, and knowing that and going back and, you know, I'm sure Luke just relives every moment of that duel over and over and over again, you know, after the credits roll and empire, uh, you know, he realizes, you know, Vader, Vader didn't kill him. He's offering him this place. There's, there's a glint of humanity in that even if it's selfish, is a glint of humanity. He's not just a machine. He's not just a monster. Um, and Luke believes that he can reach that humanity and reach Anakin. Um, and that's kind of where he's 
sitting at by the time we get to return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's a, I think, I feel like there is a sense of desperation in Vader when he's pleading to Luke to join him there on cloud city. Right. Um, like he, he's really desperate to have Luke at his side. Now, granted, they're all evil motives. It's not because he wants, you know, father and son day at work. Uh, right. It's because he wants Luke to come with him and then they'll destroy the emperor together. Um, but there is there is like this desperation to Vader there. I think, um, you know, I obviously reference the fact that I don't really read the comics and I don't, but I've I've read some of them and I love the one when Boba Fett's the one who's tasked with finding out who destroyed the Death Star and he reveals to Vader that it, his name was Skywalker. And you get that great panel of art of Vader just cracking the windshield of his Star Destroyer, right? Like it, yeah. it just the way his emotion boils out is such a cool like piece of art. Um, so he is undone in a way, right? Because he has to re- wrestle with the fact that Anakin is the reason that Luke exists, not Vader, Anakin, right? Yeah. So, it, so it brings that back up for him. And, um, and I know we'll talk more about Kylo in a little bit here, but it reminds me a lot again of the middle act for Kylo's redemption arc when he is really trying to get Ray to join him you know, join me, please. Right. There's like that pleadingness. There's this desperation from both these characters. Um, and, and I think in a real way, even for Vader here, it's that desperate plea of humanity that, that he is still a human and human beings desire connection. And Vader hasn't had any real connection in 19 years. (laughs) Talk about self quarantine. (laughs) 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 You don't go to uh, Palpatine for human connection either. That's not, not happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to come up short there. Yeah. Uh, Quite. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, so I want to look at like what I think also ultimately leads both these characters to fall, right? Cause that's, that's important to look at how they're then redeemed. So for Anakin, what we learn in, you know, the prequels and specifically revenge of the Sith is he falls to the dark side because he's trying to gain this power to save the ones he loves. That's mm-hmm. a noble cause, right? Um, the problem is, is he assumes that that will be something through power, right? He's trying to gain this through power and it's ultimately all about himself still, right? Like it's noble to want to save the people we love, but he's mainly doing it for himself, right? Like his, his love for Padme is it's borderline infatuation still, right? It's maybe not infatuation, but certainly selfish. There's, there's a strong selfish component to that love. Um, he needs her right. And, and kind of an unhealthy way. Um, but at the same time, that's that's what kind of leads to his fall is he's trying to gain this power. Um, and, and right. It's what we hear him confess to her at the end of Revenge of the Sith. You know, uh, love can't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. We right. know that that's not going to that's definitely not going to be the case. His power that he's now acquired is actually what crushes her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, having power over something or over someone never really brings a richer life. It tends to you know kind of squelch the life out of it um, yeah so and of, and of course this this desire for uh for the connection desire to keep padme alive and to keep her safe um selfish as it may be is all rooted in fear fear yeah. of loss yeah and and that is something that 
he never really addresses because he's always, you know, in the Clone Wars, he's this uh, brave, you know, swashbuckling hero. He's got always got all this bravado and he's he's the one who swings in and saves the day. Um, you know, he's a he's a mighty warrior and, uh, you know, a, an icon to people of the Republic. And he he shouldn't be afraid. And and as a Jedi, he also should be at peace and not afraid. Uh, but he is. He is desperately afraid of losing Padme like he lost his mother. Uh, and unfortunately, that's how Palpatine gets his claws in there. And, you know, as Yoda said in The Phantom Menace, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering so uh, uh, and as we see that is exactly the path that anakin falls he he his fear leads to anger at not being able to change it the anger turns into hate at the jedi for preventing him from getting that power that he needs to save her and now that hate changes to suffering when he falls and becomes Darth Vader and is, you know, not only locked inside a suit, but locked inside his own mind alone and separated from everyone and everything he ever loved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and right. And so when he falls, he becomes, and this is the tragic irony of Darth Vader is that he's now a slave again, right? We meet yeah. young Anakin as a slave on Tatooine, and now he's a slave to good old Sheev. He becomes a slave to this dark side. And um, the thing I love so much that that he kind of expresses that slavery to this dark power is he says this in Empire and in Jedi, where you, you, know, you don't know the power of the dark side. Um, he says that to Luke in Empire, and then he expounds on that a bit more in Return of the Jedi when he says, I must obey my master, right? There's there's this lack of control there, right? He is yeah. – yeah. um, I remember this was a question our friend Matt Cranky raised a long time ago on a Sarlacc Pit episode, and I, I loved this question. He says, was Vader ever fully a Sith or was he somewhat addicted to the dark side? And I think there's a lot of evidence to point to the fact that he's more of an addict to the dark side than he is a full-blown Sith. Um, you know, he never really believed in the Sith cause. I mean, even, even when you look back at revenge of the Sith, you know, I will do whatever you ask. Just help me save Padme. Right. He, he's not buying into the Sith philosophy so much as just like using Palpatine and whatever powers he can teach him for Padme. Um, so even here in return of the Jedi, he's confessing to Luke that he's still kind of, he's kind of like it, this dark power has its claws in him yeah. and he's, and while he's called the Dark Lord of the Sith, he's really more of, you know, Palpatine's enforcer. Yeah. Um, who has all this dark side power. Why do you think Palpatine is still trying to replace him? You know, in Return of the Jedi. Right. I mean, uh, you know, obviously that's just the way of the Sith, too. You, you bring someone up to challenge, and if they're not up to the challenge, well, then they weren't, you know, deserving of the power anyway. But since... Anakin got so badly injured and had to become Vader in the mask, in the suit. He's always been a bit of a disappointment and didn't live up to the potential that Palpatine wanted him to. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and Vader is still, you know, the story of Darth Vader. And again, I know this has been expounded a bit more in the comics series about him. And I've read a few of them. I've really enjoyed the Darth Vader comics. Um, But he is still on this kind of futile quest to gain more power in some weird way, hoping that he'll be able to bring Padme back. Right. He still has this obsession over that, having this power. But again, that's still where his lens is, is that it's all about the power. Um, and it's, it's only that power that's going to save the, the person that he loves. Um, so, you know, into all of this, this darkness comes this beacon of light and, you know, his son, Luke. Um, and, you know, when Luke confronts him, I mean, I, that, that scene when Luke surrenders himself to, to Vader on Endor, I, I still feel that's like one of the most powerful scenes in Star Wars. I, I love it so much. Um, I love, yeah, I love a good dialogue scene, um, often more than I do a good action scene. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, in that moment, Luke is saying, you know, the emperor hasn't driven that goodness from you fully. He, he's, he's still clinging to that belief that there's still good in him. Right. And, and he invites Anakin come with me, you know? Um, and again, I feel like this is now looking back on, um, you know, uh, episode nine where Kylo's worried. I don't, I, you know, I know what I have to do. I don't know if, if if I have the strength to do it, this is kind of Vader expressing a similar sentiment. You know, he doesn't think that he's strong enough to break free of that darkness. Hold it's too late for me, son. You know, like there's that, that surrender of, I can't, I can't do this. Right. Like it's still, it's too, the dark side just has too much of a hold on me. The emperor specifically, right. He has yeah. too much of a strong hold on me. I can't come with you. You know, Obi-Wan used to think like you do. You don't know the power that, that this thing has over me. Um, I'm not strong enough to break free of that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the effort, the work required, you know, I, I, I think the, Part of the reasoning behind that statement is a little bit different for the two characters, but for for Vader, it is definitely you know I I don't have the strength, I don't have the uh, the power to do so, uh, you know the the will to to go against this, you know he he is broken, yeah, is a very broken broken man, um, and. I would venture to go so far as to say that he kind of hates himself. Right? Oh yeah. Right. No, and, and the, there's and that, no doubt about that. Yeah. And that surrender there is also one of defeat. Like I'm horrible. I've done so much bad stuff. I hate myself. I, yeah. did you ever read this was an, a comic that probably came out in like the early two thousands, not long after Phantom Menace, but it's one of these comics where, uh, uh, Darth Maul tracks down Darth Vader, right? Like Maul did survive. He's got these metal legs and he and Vader duel and and the emperor kind of wants this to see who's going to be stronger. And the way that Vader kills Maul is by impaling himself, right? Like Maul's kind of on his back. So he thrusts the lightsaber through himself, which then also penetrates Maul and kills Maul. And, you know, Vader clings to life to win. And Maul, I I don't know if it's Maul or the emperor that says like, what could you hate, hate more than me myself? Right. It's Maul. It's Maul. Yeah. Um, and uh, Katie will, will kill me if I don't straighten this story out. Sorry. It's um, Maul is re-resurrected by uh, some scientists as a clone um, who believe that Vader isn't the true Sith, the true uh, 
you know, heir of the Sith. And so they think Maul is. And so they have resurrected Maul uh, to take him out. And Palpatine's not even there, if I recall correctly. I have read this comic. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah. Oh. But yeah. Um, but yeah, in the duel, it's it's vicious and things happen and Vader gets disarmed or not quite disarmed, but it's in trouble. And yeah, you're right. He does stab through himself into Maul in order to kill Maul. And Maul's dying words are, you know, what could you hate more than me to do that to you, to do that to yourself? Uh, and Vader's like myself. And it's yeah. like, it's right. He almost like spits that in Maul's face is right. It's the Zabrak dies. So yeah, it's, uh, it's terrible and it's horrible. And, but it's true. Vader hates himself. Yeah. He does not like who he is. Right. Right. Whereas I think Palpatine just loves who he is. I don't think Palpatine cares. I think Palpatine enjoys being himself. Uh, oh, where yeah. Vader, Vader not, not so much. No, yeah. The Emperor isn't ashamed of anything he's done. He has no regrets. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, but yeah, no. And right in that moment, um, again, I've, I know I've talked about this moment a million times, but when Luke is carted off by the stormtroopers and then we have Vader lean on that railway and just kind of exhale deeply, you know, I feel like that's really, that's Anakin exhaling inside of just a Darth Vader costume at that point. Right. Like I, I feel like Anakin, Anakin's awake now. Um, you know, and, well, and in that moment too, right. Like Luke says, I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. And, you know, for years I've always thought like, Oh, like just kind of this arbitrary hate, right. Cause he's a dark side user. He obviously is just a hateful person, but this, like just this conversation right now, it's like, Oh man, Luke is saying, let go of that hatred of yourself, right? You got to forgive yourself. You've got to be willing to move on, which again is going to be a huge point for Kylo. Um, So again, I just, I, I really dig that point that in that moment, Luke, Luke senses that conflict, right? That's what Ray kind of uh, uh, really points out to Luke in, in last Jedi, right? Like you, you sense there was conflict in him. He could be turned. Um, Right. And it's so true that in in this moment, Luke senses that conflict in his father and he's trying to he's giving him that permission, let go of that hatred of yourself, man. You you're more than the worst that you've done. Right. Which is that this is why, like, right, that original trilogy story is so powerful because it takes the most, you know, monstrous villain from two movies and redeems him. Like, I don't know of any other big stories that do stuff like that. I'm not well versed enough to be able to say, um, but you know, like that's a huge, huge message that even someone like Vader can be redeemed. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's huge. And, and the thing is, is what really kind of shakes him there in this scene is Luke calling him Anakin and, yeah. you know, and, Saying, yeah, you're, you're, I, I admit that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father, you know, and calling him not only Anakin, but calling him his father is really kind of what shakes Vader's foundation. He's never been called Anakin since he turned. Now, that's uh, a name I've not heard in a long time. 
I mean, even in Empire, when uh, the Emperor and Vader have their their meeting about Luke, and he says, uh, "The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. He's the the offspring of Anakin Skywalker." They're talking as if Anakin is dead, and Anakin right. is a different person. They, they they do not discuss Anakin as if Vader was or is Anakin. Uh, and Luke really, for the first time in who knows how many years, directly calls Vader Anakin in a way that means something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that that rocks Vader and reawakens Anakin, you know, in a way that, um, you know, obviously we don't see the extent of until later on, but yeah, it's, it's, that is the key scene to everything Mm -hmm. with Vader's redemption. Yeah. And then of course he finds out that not only was Luke, his son, but he's got a twin daughter as well, you know, during the battle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that plays a lot into his redemption, though. No, <laughs> I don't. That's just so something I, he uses. That he uses that as a dark tool to get under does. Luke's skin. Um, but yeah, kind of just going off of the point you were just making, though, about you know being called Anakin and having it mean something. Um, that's coming from his son. That's coming from someone who recognizes that goodness and and believes that it's still there and it can still come back out. Um. Right. And, and, you know, you and I both love the uh, I am a Jedi moment, like my father before me. Um, Anakin hears that as he's laying there on the floor, broken, again, broken. And again, he sees the goodness in his son and recognizes that he has that same goodness, too. Right. Um, That that that's something that still exists within him, that. His son, who's standing here, he says this powerful statement, this this proud statement of self-identity. I, you know, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. How can that not in some way empower Anakin, you know, to know that, you know, as horrible of a person as I am and the horrible things that I've done, my son still stands there proud of me? He doesn't even know the good side of me. He just knows that it's there, right? Like that's... That's incredible. Um, and that's when he rises up to save the son, right? He comes back to save Luke and finally learns that the true power that he was always seeking, you know, in, in Revenge of the Sith, then was continuing to seek and seek while he was Darth Vader, that that true power actually comes from giving yourself away in love, um, right? And that's the beauty of his redemption story is he's redeemed because he learned where true power lies. It doesn't come over dominance over other people or over, um, you know, life and death. It comes over surrender, surrendering yourself to love. It comes from giving. Um, yeah. And Anakin has now learned that. And he finally learned what Padme tried to teach him. And he learns that through his and Padme's son which is just beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And, and there are definitely, definitely have to be things about Luke that remind Anakin of Padme. You know, it's, 
and it's that that love that really kind of breaks through and allows allows Anakin to come to the point where he can move on beyond this hate beyond that. I don't know if you, if you will ever truly, you know, at this point, truly completely forgive himself, but he's at least moved on at least moved past everything that he did in order to try and become someone else to accept the love and that was given to him and return it to Luke. Yeah. That's a great uh, point. And, and do that and in order to save him from Palpatine. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big moment and, uh, he, he dies content. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And at peace, he he goes out on his own terms, right? Yeah, um, he finally breaks free of of that slavery fully. Here, um, right? He he goes out as Anakin Skywalker, the free Jedi Knight, not Darth Vader, not Anakin the Jedi Padawan, or anything like that. He goes out free. Yeah, for one of the first times in his life. Um, so yeah, that's. And again, like, you know, like we were saying, I think that's such a huge, powerful message that this was Darth Vader, (laughs) you know, the most hated man in the galaxy, but you saw that there was conflict in him. You knew he could be turned. I became a legend (laughs) as you should have. (laughs) Right. Um, That's a pretty incredible thing to be able to do. But like you said, Anakin also had to stop hating himself and accept that love that was being offered to him. Um, and not only does he accept it, but he gives it right back. Like you said, um, which is huge. So yeah, I love it. Um, let's talk about Kylo Ben. Kylo Ben Ren solo. Yes. Thingy. (laughs) Um, yeah. So in a, in a similar way, um, I, I kind of want to start with, uh, um, a quote that comes from Leia. So Padme, her dying words, they're still good in him. Leia's words to Han in force awakens. There's still light in him. I know it, right? She is still convinced yep. that he's redeemable again. Same thing. Her truth is that Ben is not gone. Not completely. Yeah. Um, he's still in there. There's still that light within him. And we know that same is true from Kylo, from Kylo's own, you know, perspective in force awakens, yeah. you know, um, he's being tempted by the light. He still feels that call to the light, um, that he's trying to refl- trying to, you know, reject. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's interesting it's a very interesting thing, and, and we've talked about this over the years, that Kylo really is a little unique because he is called – he's feeling the call of the light, and, and it, it he's walking in conflict, internal conflict, uh, and yet he is actively trying to resist the light. Yeah, and Vader wasn't. 
you know, Vader just didn't think it could reach him. He felt he was in such a dark place. The light could never reach him. And, uh, whereas as Kylo doesn't want it, or at least says he doesn't want it. It continues to move away from it and try and prove that. Yeah. The, the only interesting, you know, the, the interesting thing about this is that we don't really have a full explanation yet as to, uh, Ben's turn to the dark side. I mean, obviously we know that, uh, Luke sensing, you know, the, the dark conflict within him goes to try and confront him about it, draws his lightsaber in a, you know, in a fatal mistake. And Ben sees that and all trust is just lost and he feels completely betrayed and he just goes on a rampage, kills half the students, takes the rest and follows Snoke. But we don't know exactly, you know, how, if Snoke was already speaking to him, I think he was, he was. but you know, we don't know how exactly that happened and how exactly did, he tempted him at this point yet. You, as far as I know. have you read the rise of Kylo Ren comic? That one is not one I've picked up yet. Yeah, I know some of this is explored in it. I've I've still not finished it. I, I've read two of the issues. I think it's only four issues, maybe five. Um, but yeah, I know some of this is explored, and it's not. And we also they kind of retcon some of the stuff from the movies, which I'm not crazy about. But um, that's again why I've always had issues with the comics. They always do weird things that I just find really out of place with the movies. But whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that these are stories we are we are starting to explore um and yeah cuz we don't get it explicitly in the movies that's for sure like it's never explicit but we it's never explicit in the original trilogy why vader falls either right no. we're just told that he's nope. tempted by the dark side and he falls to it you know we don't get that story until the prequel trilogy um right. so we don't know exactly what causes Ben to fall? I mean, yes, we get a huge hint of kind of what pushed him over the edge with Luke, right? Like what we learned in Last Jedi. Um, but what even like led Luke to that point? What, you know, Snoke was already in Kyle, in Ben's ear. So what was he tempting him with? What was he drawing him away from? Um, and again, like I feel like we've got conjecture enough from the film. Um, again, I've only read two issues of that comic. It's not explicitly stated in those two issues. Um, they did retcon a big decision though that um, about you know him wiping out half the students. Do you want to know what happens? Sure. So spoiler alert right. for anybody who's yeah, not read. Spoiler alert. Um, for any- and and unless I'm unless I read this wrong, which is possible. Um, again, I'm not a huge comic fan. Um, but basically, what happens is is after he comes out of that encounter with Luke, he's so angry that it's similar to what happens with Ray in, in Rise of Skywalker, right? She's staring at Kylo trying to pull Chewie's transport down. She just gets so angry that she bursts out this force lightning and it destroys it. So what happens is um, Ben comes out of that hut. He's so angry that he creates this huge like lightning blast that strikes the temple and it sets it on fire. And he, he inadvertently kills a bunch of the students through that. So he does he does eventually fight some of them and kill some of them. Um, but it's right. Like we're led to believe that like, you know, again, like hearing the story from Luke's perspective in last Jedi, we would assume that he gets so angry that he just goes in and starts slaughtering them, right? Like pulling like an Anakin in order 66 or something. Um, but it's kind of implied that 
Ben's initial reaction was an accident. He didn't mean to do that. So I, I found it to be kind of a silly retcon. Um, but uh, that's my opinion. I know there are people that like Luke it. Says he kills half the students and took the others with him or whatever. He doesn't take anybody with him. That's the silly thing too. Like um, not again, I didn't finish it. So maybe he does, but I, I read like an excerpt from the very last comic and he just kills some people. So like, I don't get the whole, he takes people with him because that didn't happen. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm not misremembering the quote from Luke, right? Nope. <laughs> so again, like weird <laughs> retconning stuff with comics that I don't understand. So, but I'm not a huge comic person, so I'm, I'm sure there's better explanations than I'm providing. So apologies to all of you who are shouting at me right now, because I'm sure you know this a lot better than I do. Um, actually, I'm sure that I know that you do. Um, but that being said, yeah. So, I mean, in some ways it, it does alleviate some of the powerful hatred that may have been in bed, right? Like he didn't even mean to do that. So again, it does indicate that there, there's obviously oh. a good goodness in him still. Well, but he, he does, it, you know, it, even in that comic, he does still do that out of hate and it causes the death of people. So, you know, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, I think a lot of us assumed that the idea that he took students with him and they be, we, I think a lot of us assumed those were who became the Knights of Ren, but nope, yeah. the Knights of Ren, he, he finds them. That's not former Jedi students from the temple, which okay. I, I was kind of bummed by. I wanted it to be that, but whatever. Um, yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's causing a ruckus. Yeah, Amos is always being a pain in the butt in the background. Um, she's so playful. That's my cat, everyone. Um, so anyway, uh, right. I, I, I wanted to indicate that Leia is the one who's, who firmly believes that there's still that light in him, especially in force awakens. She's, you know, she has to kind of convince Han of that. Um, but ultimately, right. The, the one who's going to be the main player in his redemption story is Ray, right. In the same way that Luke was the one who played the main, the main part in, in Anakin's redemption, it's Ray. And in that middle chapter, Ray points out to Luke, there's still conflict in him, right? She still believes that, that there's that conflict in, in Ben Solo. And in a way she's really inspired by what Luke did with his father. And she felt this profound connection to Ben when their hands came together, you know, in that last force connection that they shared when they touched hands, she firmly believed that that, that light was still in there, that he would not, you know, that he could be turned, that there was that conflict in him. So, you know, Ray is dead set on, on bringing that about. Oh, what it is, is it's these two young people searching for connection. And while, while Ben Kylo's, you know, uh, motivations for that connection might be a little, you know, selfish, you know, similar to Anakin's, it's still reaching out and trying to, to reach out and, and, and make a connection and usually connection, you know, it, well, it's a, it's a two-way street, and that is something that Ray is obviously searching for as well. Uh, and Kylo, you know, really drives himself away from the connection um, by his actions later on in the Last Jedi, and in a complete contradiction of what he was just seeking earlier. So it, it's one of these things where. He is so conflicted. He doesn't know what he wants to do until the moment is upon him. And it really is – he is so confused and angry that he kind of just lashes out 
and that drives him farther and farther away from people. Um, but he's still looking for a connection of some sort. And that's why that, that hand touching scene in the last Jedi, um, is such an important moment for, for him because it shows that someone's reaching out. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and so like we looked at what kind of leads to Anakin's fall to the dark. And again, we don't have it in all of its full intricate details. I don't think quite yet for Ben, but I yeah. think what we, can... we don't have a trilogy between return of the Jedi and the force <laughs> awakens to do that. So, no. um, <laughs> But what we what we do again, I, I love that point you were just making, Jason, though, that ultimately what Ben was seeking was connection. And I think these are the things that Snoke was playing on with Ben, right? Is you know, he is someone who's he um he feels that his fullest potential was kind of being suppressed by being the son of these two heroes and the nephew of a Jedi master, right? Um, so, and he's, he's, you know, sequestered out in a little Jedi temple in the middle of nowhere, whereas, you know, his grandfather, uh, which he finds out by, you know, watching the news that Vader was his grandfather. Um, nobody told him, um, right. you know, it was essentially the second most powerful being in the universe. And he's like, and I'm sitting in, you know, butt crack nowhere, uh, you know, learning how to lift rocks with my mind, not doing anything. What is this? You know? <laughs> right. So. Yeah. And that's what I think kind of causes Ben to fall is in that, that quest for, he's really just trying to find connection to himself. Right. Yeah. That, that he is who, who am I in spite of? being you know the son of Han Solo and Leia Organa and the nephew of Luke Skywalker who am i in my own right who can i connect to um because everybody knows who i am right like he's he's seeking that that genuine connection um i think with someone outside of himself but also that co- genuine connection with himself understanding who he really is he wants to make a name for himself ultimately what leads him i think to fall into the dark side is he wants to make his own legacy divorced of those he's connected to. I agree. And the kind of the way he's doing that is he, at least initially in uh, rise of Skywalker's, I think he's trying to make a connection to his grandfather. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, before Ray comes on the scene and starts shaking everything up inside his brain um, and hormones, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's trying to make a connection to his grandfather, to, to Vader specifically in order to to forge that kind of connection and find and create that name and identity for himself outside of all the other important people in his life yeah so. yeah um you know so something that is going to plague kylo ren though just like it sort of plagued vader is that genuine belief that uh, the choices he's made have made it impossible for him to ever return to his former self or to return to his family. Right. Um, yeah. that, you know, again, we, we don't know the intricacies of his relationship with Han and Leia growing up. Um, we do know that Leia sent him away and that's like, that's obviously her biggest regret 
is that I should have never sent him away. And it, we can kind of pick up from what Han says in Force Awakens, right? There's too much Vader in him. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how he kind of responded to him a few times, right? Very dismissive or, or angry. Um, uh, so be that as it may, his family does genuinely care. Leia and Han really love him. Luke really loves him. But yeah. he, I don't even think he, he can allow himself to believe that or to feel that. Because he assumes that all the things he's done, all the horrible things he's done have, have made that impossible to ever go back. Right. And, and we hear that beautifully stated in episode nine, when he says to Ray, you, you know, you can't go back to her now. Like I can't, um, right. Like referring to Leia, he, he, gen, he really does believe that there's no way he could ever go back to his mother. He's, right. he's screwed up way too much that she'd never welcome him back especially after killing his father, you know, yeah. and that, that was sort of the moment where he could have made that choice in his own mind. That was the tipping point. He could have made the choice to go back, but for whatever reason, he chose opposite to go back and killed his father. And that, that is the unforgivable sin in his mind. Right. There's nothing he can do after that. He, and he's condemned to this, this path that he is on, whether he truly still wants that or not doesn't matter. Yeah. He cannot go back. Right. That's that is what he believes. Right. And and I think the 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 sad pitfall of all of those beliefs is that Kylo believes he's unlovable, right? Yeah. Which is there's I I feel like there's nothing more lonely in life than to believe you're unlovable. Um, I mean, so again, it's similar to the stuff going on with Vader. Vader hates himself. Um, I, do, I don't know if, if it's exactly the same that Kylo hates himself, but he definitely believes himself to probably be unlovable until Rey, right? And, yeah. and, I, and again, I love this concept of the Force Dyad, and it's something I want to explore in an episode a little bit, like soon enough. Um, I just, I need more time to think more about it. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I I honestly still don't know what to think about it yet. I'm, I'm still kind of figuring that out on my own. Like, what what is this? What does that mean? So yeah, right. we we may have to do that at some point. Um, but the thing Try I and the out thing, on an episode. Yeah, <laughs> the thing I love about the just the, the the simplicity though of the dyad is that it right that two that are one. Um, you know, there is this strong connection between him and Ray, and you know what he learns in specifically in episode eight is that he's not alone, right? You know, when he tells her, you're not alone, neither are you, right? There's that point for human connection, which is why that hand-touching scene is just so powerful and, it, and it's so beautiful um, because it tells him that he's not alone, that there is someone out there who kind of sees him for more than just being a monster, right? Like that's that's the huge transition in their relationship, right? Force Awakens, she hates him. <laughs> um, and I, I'm pretty sure he pretty much hates her as well. Um, well, he sees her as a pawn, um, but something changes in episode eight, right? That, that middle chapter, he's recognizing that they have a connection and she recognizes it too. Um, he sees her as someone that could be his ally, sees her as someone that could actually care enough about him. And she sees the same, she sees someone who is more than just his evil deeds, right? She, you know, even at the start of the movie, when they have that first force connection, she's, you know, when you called me a monster, you are a monster. Yes, I am. Right. Like um, that, that, that changes though in the movie, right? It changes into, she sees him as the one who could turn 
and and be the hope that they need. So there is this connection. There's this dyad. And then right when he expresses the dyad to her in in um, episode nine, right? Like he firmly believes that this connection that they share is what they both need. Now, he initially gets it wrong, right? He thinks, oh, we're a force dyad. Of course, because you notice what he says. Your mother, you know, my mother is the daughter of Vader. Chooses the Vader name, right? Not Anakin, not a Skywalker. Your 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 father's the son of the Emperor, right? So he, the dark side is in our blood. It's in our nature. Let's surrender to it. So he assumes that it, that's what they're supposed to do with it. He's, yeah. But he's wrong. He's right, right in the fact that their connection is what matters and, and, and what's so important to him becoming truly free. But he doesn't he's, – he's not there initially, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he still gets it wrong. You're right. He, he is so confused. I really do think while he, he tries to portray an air of confidence and – you know, uh, decisiveness. There is so much confusion that just swirls around in his brain um, because of everything that he's trying to achieve and what he thinks is important, but that doesn't really seem to be lining up with what reality is telling him. And it just, I feel like up until the, the battle you know, the end of the battle on the wreckage of the second Death Star. He doesn't have a real moment of clarity in the entire sequel trilogy. He's got glimpses of it here and there, but there is just so much confusion, I feel like, that that is clouding his perception. Um, because, you know, the dark side clouds everything, as the Jedi were saying during the prequels. Um, and... And that confusion and the – which probably only just continued to feed the rage because yeah. if he doesn't understand and doesn't know what he thinks he needs to know, that's got to make him even angrier, which keeps driving him further and further down the dark path. He doesn't really have that moment of clarity until Leia breaks through mm. the Force. Yeah. Um. He keeps having glimpses, you know, with his discussions with Ray and the connection or the, the 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 touch, but I don't think he fully has a moment of clarity that you know clears his his mind of all of this until Leia reaches out and touches him through the Force. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of a three pronged attack in a way that brings yeah. brings him back. Um, Right. And, and Luke has to restore that hope to Leia and, and last Jedi, right? Like, you know, my son's gone. No one's ever really gone. Right. Like I'm not the one that's going to save him, but you can, Han can, Ray can, (laughs) Um, but right. Yeah. So when, when Leia reaches out to him in that moment, by the way, that the build up to that moment in the, in the novel is really good. Um, So one thing that's buried in the the novel that's phenomenal is Luke keeps showing up to Leia in the novel. And um, especially as it's getting closer and closer and Luke's the one encouraging her to do what he did, right? Project yourself. He knows it's going to take, he knows it's going to physically kill her, 
but he also knows that like she'll become one with the force with him. So like she'll be fine, but that's what she needs to do. And, and Leia is really reluctant to do it for a while because she, the one thing Leia has a hard time of is letting go of control of the resistance. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's this really beautiful narrative for, for Leia and Luke in the novel. Um, but my plug for the novel is now over. Um, but yeah, when, nice. when, when Leia reaches out to him, right. It's, and he hears that and he turns and sees her there. Um, now I'm, this is right. I feel like this is open for interpretation. Um, my interpretation is that he does see her. He doesn't just hear her, that he sees her there, that she does force project herself and that he sees her even if, but for a moment, but he does see her. And, her saying his name, right? So uh, being that, again, Easter Sunday, um, I love that story in John's gospel of, of Mary Magdalene seeing Jesus. She doesn't recognize him initially until he says her name. And then she turns, right? It's this, this Greek term for uh, metanoia, which means to, to turn, to convert. Um, she turns around and has to see things in a new way. It's beautiful that when it, Leia calls his real name, the name of your true self you've only forgotten, right? So he turns around and just, you know, five minutes ago, he says, I can't go back to her. So she comes to him. Right. And, and, and I think that's, that's what shocks him. And then you have Ray stabbing him, but healing him. Yeah. And when Ray heals him and admits, I did want to take your hand, Ben's hand, right? I think it's at that point then where it's just like Ben Solo's back, you know, his mom's, his mom loves him. Um, and, and, you know, believes in him. And now you have Ray doing something totally selfless. She would have no reason to help, help him in that moment. And yet she chooses to, because she doesn't think he's all just all those bad things, which I think, you know, I love that shot of him staring at the, at the sea then, right? As it, it kind of zooms in on him. And, and my friend Mike pointed out that the, the way Kylo's standing, well, Ben, I guess, is standing is the exact same way Luke stands when he's looking at the twin sons, um, which is kind of cool. Um, like his, body, his body language is the same, which is really neat. Um, so again, he's, he's contemplating <laughs> Star Wars contemplation stance. Um, so You're standing at the edge of something with your foot up on the, the railing or whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're either Captain Morgan or a Skywalker. Um, right, exactly. so, <laughs> um, but yeah, in that moment, right. I think Ben is, Ben is pretty much back. Um, and you know, if Ray can see him for more than that, he must be more than that. And then the last thing he needs is to be able to forgive himself, to be able to let himself be loved. And what's the one thing he doesn't love about himself still? He killed his dad. Killed his father. So, hey, kid. <laughs> and, yeah, and I just – I love that. I love that scene so much. I, I do have a question. Yeah. Um, you've read the novel. I have not. Um, do they explain in the novel – if this is just him talking to his memories or if this is still part of Leia's, you the, know, reaching out. The novel seems to imply it's just a memory. Like it's, okay. it's, it's like his memory t- takes flesh again. I choose to interpret as that Leia is somehow involved in it though. I don't care. I don't care if it's not been stated anywhere in Canon. It, it's, it's Carl Cannon for me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in the novel, it does not make it explicit. It's just, it, it plays out just like it does in the movie. 
Um, and he says the same thing, like, you're just a memory, your memory, you know? Um, but right. Han showing up in that moment and essentially offering him forgiveness. It's exactly what Ben needs in order to forgive himself. Right. Um, yeah. and in a way with it being just a memory, so right, it's, it's not a force ghost. Um, it's not actually Han. If it is his memory, that means that Ben does have that capacity, even in his memory to play this out correctly, that he does have the capacity to forgive himself. And that's yeah. what this moment is, you know? Um, and it, we get it explicitly stated here. I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Right. Like we kind of connected back to, to Vader in that scene with Luke, right? Like you don't know the power I must obey. I'm not strong enough. Um, Ben, once again, doesn't know that he's strong enough to do what he has to do. And I think in this moment, what's really hard for him to do, what does he not know if he has the strength to do? Forgive himself and think that he's worthy of something more in life. And what does his father say? You do. <laughs> and, you know, it's just so beautiful. Um, yeah. So, it's really good. Yeah. Again. Um, so in this moment, right, it's... It, I love the way that it then, you know, the way that it connects to Return of the Jedi, right? We have the story of the son forgiving the father um, and, you know, helping rescue the father. Well, now we have the the father offering that forgiveness to the son so that the son can be redeemed. Um, yeah. And just, you know, just like Anakin comes back to save the one he loves, Ben comes back to go after the, to follow after the person that he loves in the person of Ray. Um, yeah. And I think for him... He learns that in order to be his truest self, he has to accept all of who he is, where he came from, and understand that it's all good, and you're good, and you can move forward. Um, yeah. Right? So Anakin had to learn that power comes from selfless love. Ben had to learn that you're your truest self when you accept all of who you are. Yeah. You, you cannot ignore the legacy you come from, your past, your family, it's all make, it's all part of who you are. What you do with that is what's important and how you move forward with that past, that legacy that is riding on you is what defines you. What you do with that is what defines you. That in and of itself is not what defines you. And that is what he really comes to understand and is why he, you know, goes after Ray and helps her take down the clone emperor. Um, and honestly, Ben Solo is my favorite of all of this. I, I love him much more than Kylo Ren. I love Makes Ben Solo. I mean, it, it, it's, I, <laughs> you know, He's got a little bit of a sense of, of humor, uh, and he just seems to carry himself with so much, you know, Adam Driver's a genius in this role. Mm -hmm. uh, he carries himself, you know, a much lighter step uh, and, you know, less weight on his shoulders and things like that. And it, he just seems, you know, the, the hatred and the anger and the rage is gone, and it just makes him – it makes him appear younger, you know, whether he's not really, but you know, it just, it just does that. And 
he plays it so well. And, you know, honestly, one of my favorite little moments is just when he leaps and lands on the, the link of the chain and just, so ow. So good. And it's yeah. just, like, yeah, that's a solo. That's a solo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's so good. And it, I, I don't get enough of Ben solo, in my opinion. I, I yeah. wish I, some – I understand why he had to go. And why he he died there. I still wish that we could have gotten more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think I get why they made that choice. Um, I think it was the most streamlined choice, but it wasn't the best choice. <laughs> so, um, but it is what we have. So, whatever, I'll live with it. Um, I yeah. think the truth of what he learns is still there, and that's what I care about. Right. Um, that just like his grandfather, he learned that love is more important than anything. And it starts by accepting and loving yourself. And that's what makes it possible for him to then go connect to somebody, right? It's kind of impossible to connect to someone if you don't love yourself. Right. And I don't don't mean that in a purely selfish way, of course, I mean, to really be proud of who you are to really, you know, uh, yeah, to be proud of who you are, to which then allows you to love yourself. That's the way you can really love someone else. Um, And I think that's the thing is it sounds like so much of Ben Solo's life was a tortured one where he struggled to love himself for whatever Mm -hmm. reasons. And he finally met someone who helped him to see that in the person of Ray. And again, that even in and of itself makes him able to, to accept that from his father and his mother. Um, but once he's able to love himself, that's what makes him able to love someone else. And and again, I've really come. I love the kiss between Ray and Kylo, at the, or excuse me, Ray and Ben. Um, every time I watch that movie now, I think it's so great, and it's mainly great because of the the look of joy on both of their faces. Um, but most notably on Ben's, he's so overjoyed that he's finally connected, and he's he's he's, and it's because he's followed love, right. And I think at the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's the beauty of both the, the redemption stories of, of Vader and Kylo is that they're characters who learned how to love, right? That's the whole point of redemption. You know, uh, what redeems us is the power of love. Yeah. And through that connection, through that acceptance um, of not only himself, but his past and everything else, you know, allows Ben to be able to connect with Ray. You know, and the the force dyad that is shared between them in order to resurrect her at the expense of his own life, but yeah, he brings her back from the dead, right? But sacrificing and, himself, yeah, and and you know what's it's uh, it's to me it does it takes it one step further from what Anakin does for Luke and in, yeah. in Return of the Jedi, right? Like. Um, I feel like, uh, Vader, Anakin, whatever was already going to die long before he threw the emperor down, right? Like Luke beat him down to the point that there, I guess there was, I don't think there was any coming back from that. Um, yes, I guess a little bit, the force lightning hits him a little bit for sure. Um, but be that as it may, right? Like when he saves Luke, when he rescues Luke, he basically does it in such a way that he prevents him from dying. But Ben goes one step further. She's dead, right? Like they make that very clear that Ray is dead by showing her stone cold. And then we get Finn's reaction 
right? They're yeah. telling us Ray's dead. So yeah. Ben comes and gives his life literally so that she can live again, right? I think yeah. that's taking it one step further. Um, you know, he really learned the fullness of what his grandfather wanted to do. Learn to stop people from dying. Well, <laughs> how do you do that? You give your life away. Um, and again, that's that's the Christian message of Easter, right? That life is available to all of us through the power of love. And it doesn't matter how awful we might be. The worst of what we've done is never outside of the the purview of that love. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah. You just have to receive it. Yeah. And sometimes we have to learn how to receive it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there you go. There we go. There we go. We now will conclude our Easter service and we'll pass <laughs> the tickets around for a special offering. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, as always, we'd love to hear any of your comments or your your uh, thoughts on the redemption of, of Anakin and, and Ben. Um, if there's anything you feel like we missed or or something, you know, because again, I think it's really fun watching these two stories uh, together now because we can, right? Like the stories have both been told. The story of Ben Solo is complete. The story of Anakin Solo, uh, Anakin Skywalker, is complete. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of neat to get to look at them and compare them a little bit in this way. So if you feel like there's something we may have missed, uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Let us know. Um, we, we don't claim to, uh, be repositories of all knowledge in star Wars. So quite yeah. far from it. So, <laughs> uh, our Jedi archives are incomplete. Um, yes. So <laughs> and we are not like Jocasta and, you know, arrogant about that. No. That's true. We're well aware. Yes. Um, so that being said, uh, we wanted to do a thematic matchup based on this episode um, yes. where we pit Darth Vader against Kylo Ren. Kind of an iconic villainous fight. Who takes that fight between Vader and Kylo Ren? Only you can decide. Right. Yeah. We're very excited to hear what everybody thinks about that one. Um, well, I, yes. I suppose, um, I've got, I've got a little something I need to talk about before we start closing things up here. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. What do you have coming for us? Well, at the end of this episode, um, uh, like we alluded to, I, I've, I've got a little audio short story that I wrote. Um, it's called power of Palpatine. Uh, and it's, uh, set about 10 to 15 years before the Phantom Menace on Naboo, when Palpatine is still an up-and-coming politician. I've put him as governor of Theed, you know, so Sio Bibble's job, before Sio Bibble has it. Um, and he is visited by his Sith master, Plagueis. And they have a very interesting conversation. Um, I wrote this in a fit of inspiration after watching the Clone Wars episode, The Lawless, on my rewatch, uh, when Palpatine comes in and confronts Maul and everything, uh, just some of what Palpatine was doing and everything just sparked some ideas and things in my brain. And I was like, I need to write these down. And I did. And I created this little script out of it. Um, 
and I was able to get one of my my fellow actor friends, uh, Adam Gold, to help me out with the project. So he voices Plagueis, and I voice Palpatine in this. Uh, there's only two characters here. Um, it's about five minutes or so, and I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed making it, um, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. We'll have it at the end of the episode after the music plays out, so stay tuned. But if you want to listen to it again, um, I've also got it up on my YouTube channel, which we will share. We will have just uh, shared the link on both our Twitter and Facebook pages, uh, so if you want to find it, you can also check it out there as well. Um, do you have any questions about this, Carl, before we... We start no. closing things up. No, I, so I, I just when I got to hang out with you when I was in Phoenix there earlier last month, um, you were telling me about it over lunch, and I was like so ecstatic. I mean, you just had you'd had the idea, and I was like, this is a great story. Like this is this is going to be a lot of fun to tell. And then, like I said, when Jason sent it to me the other night, and I listened to it, it's like you you crushed it. I mean, you proved to me your ability to put good things together when we did the Endor video last summer. Um, <laughs> you you certainly have a, t- a knack for that. So like, this is this is phenomenal, um, and, and I I love it. It's a it's a great little short story. Um, so yeah. I I know y'all are gonna enjoy it. Um, but before we play it, Jason, we should tell people how they can get in touch with us. Indeed, indeed. I was just about to ask you. So if people <laughs> want to uh, you know weigh in on our matchup of Vader versus Kylo, or check out my uh, short audio story, audio short story whatever um where can they do that carl well we are on the twitter at wampas lair um you can find us on facebook at wampas lair podcast um and of course you can email us at wampas lair podcast at gmail.com that's all we've got for today unless you have any final thoughts sir no uh to all of you who celebrate easter have a happy easter this coming weekend um, for all of those of you who don't, uh, I hope you're staying – well, all of you, regardless of whether you celebrate or not, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy in light of the quarantine, um, hopefully finding fun things to do, good ways to get reconnected maybe with old friends or with old things you loved about Star Wars. Um, if there's anything you want from us right now in the middle of this quarantine, if there's any type of episodes you'd really uh, like to hear – um, let us know. We'd love to know. We want to help, um, you know, ease the boredom or the the discomfort of what's going on right now as best we can. So don't hesitate to let us know what what you might need. Yeah, and we'll we'll we've got some ideas, but we'll see what we can do for you. This episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number three hundred and seventy-seven. Jason's mic likes to cut out whenever we close episodes. So I got this, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode 377. It's not too late.
Greetings, Palpatine, Governor of Theed. Ah, Minister Plagueis. We are honored by your visit. That was a very fine speech you gave earlier. Thank you. You spoke quite a bit about the desires of your people. I do wonder, however, what are your desires, Governor? My desire is to pursue peace, security, and happiness for the people that I serve, Minister Plagueis. Indeed. Won't you step into my office, Minister? Guard, leave us. You have done well, my apprentice. Indeed, I have, Master. I have risen quite quickly through the local politics, and it is only a matter of time before they clamor for me to run for even higher offices. But the question remains. Sidious, have you lost your focus? Are petty politics more important to you than the plans of the Sith? Is the dark side of the Force not allowing you to take what you want? What do you desire? What do I desire? Master Power. That is what I desire. Power unrivaled. Power immeasurable. Unlimited power. The desire for power is nothing new in the annals of history. Many a petty despot desires power. Why should your desire be any different? Because no one else has had a desire more pure than I do. The desire for power has never burned fiercer in anyone before me or after me. It consumes me. I will be Chancellor, no, Emperor. I will rise in power until I am the most powerful being in the universe. You do not crave power as I do. You want control. Control over life. I want power over death. Losing power is the only thing I fear. Be wary of your ambitions, or your enemies will be able to take that power away before it is solidified into an unshakable foundation. I could take this office from you if I so desired. <laughs> you need me and my ambitions to keep your little experiments hidden from nosy Jedi. You will not stop me. No one can stop me. Soon, you will no longer be in my way. 
To kill the master is the duty of the apprentice. To outwit the apprentice is the duty of the master. I am not dead yet, Palpatine. So do not believe you will succeed where all others have failed. Of course, master. But one day, when you least expect it, I will kill you. I will take your power from you and make it my own. Your control will be shattered with your body, and I will be the Dark Lord of the Sith. Now, if you will excuse me, Minister Plagueis, I have a meeting with the King, and I cannot keep him waiting.